0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you.
1: Firstly, Micah 6 verses 1 to 8. The Lord's case against Israel. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people and is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, What have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moban, counseled and what Balaam, son of Baor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O people, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, with your God. Now Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful for ever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, He gives food to the hungry. He sets prisoners free. He gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks so much, Jan. It would be a great help uh, to all of us to keep those words open. Uh, we'll be looking mostly at those words from. Micah chapter 6, but dotting around a bit. So Micah chapter 6 is on page 943, 943. We'll get there in a moment. First, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we pray that your name would be hallowed this morning in The preaching of your word in our listening and in the response of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Does your heart burn with love for the needy? Does your heart burn with love when you think of all the people in very great need all around us? Does your heart burn with love as you picture all those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus as Saviour and Lord? Does your heart burn with love? Do you know, for some of us, that question will will be really exciting. We'll be there and we'll be thinking, yes, this is who God is graciously making me to be. The kind of heart that he's placed in me. I want my heart to burn more and more. Others of us, as we hear that question, will be be feeling a little unsettled. It will feel a challenging and a searching question. We will know that our hearts are very often cold rather than burning towards those in need. We long to be more like that. For others of us, we may be here this morning as a person who wouldn't call ourselves a Christian. You are most welcome. And you have a heart that longs for justice. You care deeply about justice in a world that is full of injustice. Martin Luther King wrote these words. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. Tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And, and we look at our world and we see that that's true. We, we look around and we see injustice all around us. The war in Ukraine, terrible atrocities. And we know that that's just one of many wars. Just the one that's making Western news headlines the most. People across the world being trafficked for human gain, for financial gain. Refugees displaced all over the world. Racial tensions, social dysfunction, massive differences between the wealthiest and the poorest. Followers of Jesus in some countries forbidden from meeting together for worship, forbidden from even owning a Bible. That is just scratching the surface of the injustices in our world today. And that is why this book... All of God's words, but particularly the next three weeks. God's words spoken through the prophet Micah 700 years before the Lord Jesus came. These words, massively relevant to us today. To our lives, to our society. So whoever you are, whatever you're coming to this service with this morning. These words from the prophet Micah are going to be for us. Do look with me again, page 943. Page 943, I'm going to read from verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. At the end of this three-week sermon series, there is going to be an opportunity to respond very practically as individuals and as a church family to these words. But if we're going to get there, then we need our hearts to undergo some transformation. I need my heart too. I venture to suggest we all need our hearts shaping. We're going to see this morning, as we move towards that three things about our God and about ourselves we'll see that that God is a God of perfect justice but we are unjust people and yet God in his great and gracious grace has declared his people just that's all we're going to do today but if we get it our heart transformation can begin so first God is a God of of perfect justice I don't know what your your picture of God is. Maybe you think of a a kindly but largely irrelevant God. Kind of looking down on the world that he made but, but largely uninvolved in the details of our lives. Or you look at this world and you assume that God, if he even exists, can't possibly be good. Because of all that injustice in the world. Whatever picture of God we have in our minds, can we allow God himself to say a few things about himself to us this morning and hear what he has to say. Listen to each one of these Bible descriptions and listen out for what it says about God's perfect justice. Some of those words from Psalm 146. He, that is God, upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. Psalm 10 You, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to their cry defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Psalm 68, a father to the fatherless. This is our God, defender of widows. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Deuteronomy 10, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of Lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. This is your God, Emmanuel Church. This is your God. Those words I've I've just spoken, read, they speak so clearly of who God is, a God of perfect justice. He sees the trouble of the afflicted. In other words, no injustice can ever escape his notice. He cares deeply about injustice for the most vulnerable people in every society, in every age. In those passages, just hear all of the words of God's heart for, for these kind of people, people who are oppressed, the hungry, the blind, the fatherless, the widow, the poor, the afflicted, victims, the lonely, the foreigner. This is our God. A God of perfect justice. Who cares about the needy. And a God who cares so much about justice that he, he brings down those who commit injustice. We're told he frustrates the ways of the wicked. We're told that he will one day when the lord jesus returns call every single evil doer to account for their wickedness wickedness that would not otherwise be found out a god of perfect justice justice for the needy justice for the wicked and of course the lord jesus shows that kind of heart of god perfectly jesus burned And still burns with love for the hurting. Love for lepers, reaching out and touching the leper. Love for widows, love for the sick. Love for the suffering, love for social outcasts. At this point, some of us will be asking ourselves internally a question. If if God is like that, then why doesn't he end suffering right now? Why doesn't he end that war in Ukraine right now? Well, remember, we live in a broken world. A world that is broken because in our sinfulness, we broke it. And yet, God has done something. God's done the most amazing thing about that brokenness. He sent his one and only son into the world. To die on a cross, to rise again, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might have eternal life. So that the brokenness of this world would be reversed, the curse reversed. A new heavens and a new earth coming. So I can't tell you, no one can, exactly why God hasn't stopped the war in Ukraine. What I can tell you Is that God, the Holy Spirit, has inspired thousands of Christians all over Europe, all over the world. To help by doing things like providing food, providing shelter, clothing, money, sharing the good news of Jesus. And you know, followers of Jesus are acting like that because they understand that God is a God of perfect justice and they want to be like their God. And that is what's been happening down the centuries across the world as followers of Jesus, inspired by God's perfect justice, equipped by his Holy Spirit, have reached out in love to those who are hurting. Living lives of costly sacrifice for those who are in need and all because God is a God of perfect justice and his people want to be like that. If you want to find out more about questions like that, There is a wonderful book. It's called Confronting Christianity. Twelve questions for the world's largest religion. If you want to find out more, I would really recommend that book. And it will just take us through some of those questions that we might ask if we're unsure of what God is like. So God is a God of perfect justice. And sometimes God's people act like that. But very often... Perhaps more often, we are unjust people. God is a God of perfect justice. He expects us to imitate him, be holy because I am holy, God says, but so often we fail to live like that. Look at what the uh, prophet Micah was warning about. That's exactly what he was saying. Look with me again, page 943. This is Micah chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 1. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hero mountains. The Lord's accusation. The Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. The Lord brings a charge against his people. And what's the charge? It's that their hearts were cold towards those in need towards the weak and the poor. They've been using their power, not for the good of everyone, just for the good of themselves. Just listen with me. Chapter two, woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it's in their power to do it. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Chapter three, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. Should you not embrace justice? You who hate good and love evil. Their hearts weren't burning with love for those in need. And Micah has made clear right at the start of the book that the reason that their hearts were like that, the root cause of the problem was the problem of their hearts. They had rejected God and his ways in favor of idols. False gods which they worshipped in place of the true and living God. One writer has put it like this, it's like the people in Micah's day had become so curled inward that a life that was just about me, mine, my stuff, had actually come to seem normal to them. And the idols we worship today aren't all that different. We too, who follow Jesus, can live like that. If I'm not careful, if I... I can easily fall into the trap of thinking that, of of believing the lie of our culture, that life is all about me, that I'm at the center of life, that things should revolve around me. And I guess I'm not alone. And do we see how that is the very essence of sin? Living as if we were the most important ones, the most important beings in the universe, living our own way, and all the while God, who made the universe, Barely gets a look in. That is why sin is so much more than a few bad words or actions. It describes our whole attitude towards God. The heart in the Bible is is our whole attitude. It affects everything. Our thoughts, our affections, our feelings, our actions. And the Bible says again and again that the whole of our heart attitude left to ourselves is one of rebellion against God. That doesn't mean that we all commit the same evil deeds. It does mean that we all have rebellious hearts. God is a God of perfect justice. We are unjust people. And yet God, in his grace, declares his people just. God, in his grace, has already declared his people, followers of Jesus, to be just. The people in Micah's day, at this point in the passage, they're they're starting to feel sorry for their sins of injustice. And so they try to justify themselves. That's what's going on in verses 6 and 7. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With 10,000 rivers of oil, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Do you hear what the people were saying? Confronted by their unjust hearts, they asked God, what can we do to make things right? What sacrifices can we bring to you, God, for our acceptance? What can we do to make you accept us? And so many people assume that the only way God could accept us is if we, we live good enough lives. So many re- religions are based on this idea, aren't they? If we live good enough lives, then God might accept us. Religions shout out, out to us, do, 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 do. As if we only needed to do enough things and then God would accept us. But if that was true... How would we know how much we needed to do before God accepted us? How could we ever be sure that we had done enough? How could the people in Micah's day ever be sure they'd offered enough sacrifices if that was why God was accepting them? Wonderfully, that is not why or how God accepts his people. Look at what God says. Verse 3. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember. Remember. The people are feeling guilty for their sin, for their unjust hearts. And they ask what they can do to make things right. And here's what, in effect, God says to them. He says, i've already done it i've already saved you i've already accepted you i've already made you part of my family you don't need to do anything to earn that you can't do anything to do that to earn that i've already done it i brought you up out of egypt i redeemed you remember 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 and maybe this is a word for many of us who are followers of Jesus, and we need to hear again this morning. I do. Yesterday, I, I needed to hear this word. I do this morning. Every other religion says, do, do, do. But the message of Jesus is this. Done. Done. Remember, remember. Remember. Remember, Jesus has already done it. As he hung on the cross, before he breathed his final breath, what did he cry out? What did he cry out? It is finished. It is finished. And that means that when God looks at you and looks at me, if we trusted in Jesus, he accepts us. When he looks at you, he chooses not to see Our sinfulness, our unjust hearts, he chooses to see Jesus' perfect life, Jesus' death in our place. He declares us to be just. Just as if we'd never sinned. It's finished. It's done. God is a God of perfect justice. We have unjust hearts. But God in his grace declares his people just. Next week we're going to think about how how grasping those truths is going to transform our attitudes to those in need. As our hearts burn with love more and more. Between now and then, if, if we're followers of Jesus, why not remind ourselves each day this week of that precious truth? It's finished. It's done. Jesus loves us so much. He has paid the price. So as we come to confess together now, we do so as people who are confident of his forgiveness. We're going to say some words together in a moment. And just as we say these words, we are conscious of that word already done, finished. The Apostle John wrote, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confident of the mercy God has shown us, we pray together. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and erect what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Almighty God, who in Jesus Christ has given us a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, forgive us our sins. Open our eyes to God's truth. Strengthen us to do God's will. And give us the joy of his eternal kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to continue to respond now in song. uh, Some words of our final hymn. The kingdom of God is mercy and grace. The captives are freed. The sinners find place. The outcasts are welcomed. God's banquet to share. And hope is awakened
0: in place of despair. Let's stand to sing together. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.